0: In You know it's time to begin, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90-plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that's completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Mac Weldon Blue Apron, and Casper. They're bringing the show to you. The show, of course, all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff kanata that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy whose tweets are 98% emoji, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: Hello, Jeff. I'm sitting here trying to remember something else that's happening later today.
0: Are you talking about the 10-year anniversary of the Totally Rad show? Did you like what I you talking about?
1: Oh, I forgot the why. I almost had T-Y-T-R-S. Dang it. Oh, my mind didn't quite work. Yeah, that's what I was talking about.
0: Oh, you're trying to do a fun thing,
1: and it Trying failed. to remember something, but I forgot. So, <laughs> no, if you're listening y. to
0: this on Monday when this show comes out, uh, tonight is the 10-year anniversary of the premiere of The Totally Rad Show. Yes, 2007. Uh, March twenty-seventh, two 2007, we released uh, The Totally Rad Show for the first time. And so we're getting the gang back together, all of the people who have ever been involved. That is uh, Dan Trachtenberg, Alex Albrecht, myself, Steve Kinchelik, who was the first uh, producer, video guy, behind-the-scenes fella, and then Mike Gaines, who who, uh, replaced him. Everybody's going to be there. We're all going to be hanging out. It's going to be really informal, but I hope you can make it. It's going to be on Caffeine, so you can find that at caffeine.tv slash Jeff and it's tonight at 7 p.m. Thanks for bringing it up, Christian. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Pacific. 7 p.m. Pacific. That's right. Yeah.
0: Uh, should be a fun time. Uh, we're also going to have a fun time today because we got a lot of cool stuff, oh, some late-breaking man. news, great games to talk about, and we have a fantastic guest to do it with. You know that DLC stands for Your Downloadable Canada. And your downloadable Christian. But this week we're excited because DLC asks the question, do you like champagne? Because we have self-professed champagne enthusiast. You know her from Yahoo Esports, IGN, Game Trailers, GameStop TV, and of course, the old Weekend Confirmed show. One of our favorite people, Ms. Andrea Renee is back with us. Hello, Andrea.
2: Hi guys, thanks for having me. It's been too long since I've been back on the show.
0: I think you got married since the last time we talked to you on this show.
2: Oh my gosh, was it really that long I ago? Think it's That's been that crazy. Long.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, um, we're so excited to have you. And most notably because. Of all the people I know, I think you might be the biggest Mass Effect fan. So I'm very excited to get your take on Mass Effect Andromeda. You were the first person I thought of when I was like, ah, Mass Effect is coming out. we got to get Andrea back on the show. So very excited to dip into that during the uh, playlist segment. Um, but we do need to start the show the way we always do, with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, gets the Story of- Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week, and you can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag on Twitter, that's DLC S O T W, or by visiting our subreddit, which is five by five dlc.reddit.com. Some great stories submitted this week, some late breaking stuff. Andrea, I suspect I know what your story of the week is, but why don't you tell me? <laughs>
2: It literally happened like less than an hour ago that uh, Activision officially announced Destiny 2.
0: Destiny 2. Uh, I think we all thought it was going to be here. We all knew they were working on it. Um, We weren't sure when it was going to be released. It seems like it's really coming out in 2017. Uh, The poster, I guess, with the logo, which is Destiny and a 2, and that's it. (laughs) <laughs> That's what we know so far.
2: Well, I mean, we know a little bit, but but not a whole lot, which is, you know, a little disappointing, but I'm sure they're planning to do a big reveal in the next month or two leading up to E3. I would imagine based off what we've been seeing with publishers putting their big announcements out ahead of E3 and then doing, you know, a more in-depth gameplay look um during the conference is what we can expect from Activision here. So I'm hoping we're going to get you know some more information uh, before the end of April, um, but you know this is really exciting. I'm a I'm a big Destiny fan. You know they've just announced you know their kind of uh, sunset content that they're doing for um, you know Destiny the original Destiny and um, with the Age of Triumph and everything. So this is this is cool. I mean I think it's exciting because. I love my character in Destiny, and I like that I can bring my character, but I'm really going to miss all of my gear because gear is such a huge part of Destiny. But I'm really excited to see all the new stuff that they're bringing, up, that they're um, creating for the game.
0: Yeah. And uh, I'm anxious I'm to get into a little bit of speculation about that. But before we do, I wanted to read a couple of tweets that I read this morning that tickled me. Um, a friend and video game industry fella, Scott Pitlick, on, on <laughs> Twitter wrote, They worked really hard on the font choice for the two. Ultimately settling on Arial, classic <laughs> ten out of ten would choose font again. So yeah, that too, man, is looking sharp. Arial font. Uh, I also liked what uh, our guest from last week, Ben Silverman, tweeted. He said, "At long last, the video game industry has come to its senses and announced a sequel to a top-selling shooter." So you know, some, there's some snark, I guess, about this, but I I can understand wanting to pepper in information to spread out the cookie crumbs and get excited. Yes, it's actually happening. Now we know today it's actually happening. And as we move forward, we'll get more and more information so they can stretch out the, the hype machine and build up the anticipation for destiny Two. But, um, Andrew, before I get to Christian, what, what are you hoping to see from a destiny Two? There's, there's some rumors that there might be a, a, a completely new game engine for this title. Um, I know that you were a big fan of the first one. Do you want to just see more of that, or do you want them to branch out and do some completely new types of experiences for Destiny 2?
2: I really love the game world of Destiny, and it's interesting why they would I know, obviously, it's speculation why they would potentially choose to create a new engine. Cause I think Destiny looks and runs really smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like the actual just how the game processes work, like, I don't run into a lot of glitches. The graphics are beautiful and I don't have any problems with online connectivity. I think it's one of the better online multiplayer games out there as far as tech goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really looking forward to some new enemies. Um, I have gotten a little tired of these enemies, especially with the expansions. The expansions have been fun. All the uh, post-game content that they've added throughout the last two years, but... There's only so many times you can go after like the same three enemy archetypes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm ready for some, you know, a, a fresh new face, a new type of enemy to to take on. I would also really love to learn more about the story. Uh, the the lore of Destiny is really kind of difficult to dig into and mostly because <laughs> the grimoire cards are something that don't make it easily accessible, you really have to go hunt down the little bits and pieces of the lore if you really want to learn the depths of what this world is all about and I hope that they explore that more because there's a lot of fun fan theories out there about you know who are the guardians, like is the traveler what we think it is? Are we the good guys, or maybe we're the bad guys? and know I think that there's some factions and some people within the world of destiny that we really haven't. Gotten to see like Zur, the you know the special guy that comes on the weekends with the good loot, like you know talks about the agents of the nine, but we haven't actually seen them or heard from them in gameplay, and um, just some more cutscenes. Like the cinematics in Destiny are gorgeous, so I'm just I'm just really excited all over. Like forever. have
0: an actual campaign this time, maybe.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> not not just like a bunch of individual missions strung together. It would be nice if something was a little bit more of a standalone us like campaign experience.
0: Yeah. Um, Christian, what is your take on this? I know you were a big fan of destiny as well. Um, we literally know nothing other than it's happening and it has a, a two after its name. Uh, we know a little bit about what carries forward, IE not much. This is going to be a kind of a fresh start. You'll be able to, if you have a big high level character in the first destiny, you will be rewarded in some way, but your character doesn't necessarily uh, transfer over. So, what are you looking for from a Destiny Two?
1: Well, I want to back up a little bit, and, and I'm curious. You know, I certainly don't know anyone at Activision or or Bundy that's leaking information. Um, but Todd, if you're listening, you know, feel free to email me anytime. We'll keep it confidential. Other than I've just said your name, uh, Todd Johnson works everywhere, and everywhere works for Todd Johnson. But I'm curious what the original release plan was for this, because there were leaks and retail posters out of Europe that showed the poster. uh, It looked like what could be official box art with real font or writing on it. A September 8th release information about a playstation exclusive beta and quite a bit of information about the game and the story and the locations you'd be going and what would be happening in the game and if that stuff is too believed and the september release date is is confirmed and maybe it has been officially confirmed now i haven't you know i've been getting ready for this show and not following the leads i think it's still kind of just the two tweet from destiny but could you imagine If their plan was to do something the week of E3 or the week before, so now you're in June and this game that we all kind of have been hoping for, and of course they're probably working on it, and then they just come out with, oh, by the way, it's coming. It's coming in September. Go play the beta right now. Have fun. And then they just pop their collars and walk into the sunset. You know, that's like a, that's a, that's a head explode moment. And I, I'd never want to assume something was rushed because of a leak or whatever. I don't know why the heck these European retailers, got the posters so early, like I know manufacturing and printing is, is one thing, but I think it's, it's a little, I'm part of the problem because when I saw it, there was like a leak, I was like, Oh, gonna read all about this. And then now I'm like, Oh, I wish it hadn't have leaked. (laughs) So like, I'm on, I'm on both sides of that coin. Um, What, what I want from the game in terms of, you know, story content, and I don't know if it'll go this route or not, but I like the idea of, and, you know, I'll say open world or open universe, whatever type of gameplay. But I, I like the idea of there being one big looming threat and then a couple of little smaller threats, almost the way Shadow of Mordor did it, where you're going for this one big thing and then you have these warlords spread out over various planets, but then how you attack it and when you do it and what raids you do or how you progress is kind of up to you. You kind of get to pick and choose where you go because in Destiny 1, it was very much you know you're going to go do this, finish this quest, do this thing, get the loot, come back. And then from there you could kind of then start another line or do something, but I'd like more freedom in where you're going and how you're progressing and I know that this game has been in development for a while so I I'm not fully expecting it to to crib from Breath of the Wild yet. But like Breath of the Wild's out, Horizon Zero Dawn's out. <laughs> like I already want games yeah. to have learned from those, so I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping well, I think those are, doing those some are of different
2: that. experiences, though, right? Like those have a beginning and an end, totally. In a, you know, in a very you know, like narrative sense. And Destiny is really like kind of like a living ecosystem. And I know it kind of sounds really jargony to be like, oh, it's a shared world shooter, but it it does really feel like it's a world that i can drop into at any time. There's a reason why there's such a massive destiny community that's active on a weekly basis. People that are doing the nightfall every week, people that are doing the daily quests, you know, and the the daily um, you know, crucible items and things like that. People that are, you know, consistently going back to that world because there's always something that you can do in destiny and obviously in an open world rpg that's not necessarily the case, I mean okay. there are some exceptions to the rule, like with some you know RPGs that have like randomly generated side quests and things like that. but I mean for the most part like i don't need that kind of sense of I can go anywhere, do anything in the game as long as the places that I can go are really exciting and there's a lot more variety. You know, I felt like we just kept revisiting the same locations over and over again in, you know, in Destiny and so I really hope that the new locations that we get in Destiny 2 are really fresh and really exciting and and visually are different than what we've already seen. But obviously they have to tie back together to <laughs> to the original and somehow to make it cohesive narratively. I, I, I would love to see some changes in just basic UI stuff.
0: Hmm. Oh, go into that.
2: I mean, for me, like, right now, one of the biggest frustrations I have as a Destiny player is the constant running back and forth for bounties and having to go to a world, do the mission, check it off, then go back and turn it in, then go back into well, the world. you don't
1: need to do that. They, do they, another thing. They change well, you, that.
2: You, I mean, they change that you can turn in individual smaller right. bounties, but, like, if you're doing, like, a quest – you have to go, like oh, especially right. if it's so a multi st-
1: system. But like if you're yeah, a, so if yeah. it's a
2: multi-step quest, uh, you have to you know go to the Iron Temple, you know talk to Shiro, and then go back out into the world, and then go back once you've accomplished that step, and talk to this person, and then head back out. That to me gets really tedious after a while.
1: Hmm. I have a feeling we'll be talking about that again later in the playlist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: oh man just you wait
1: (laughs) uh i just want to add real quick i agree with you andrea i think the thing that that Bungie unfortunately has to wrestle with is its pedigree of this great single player game. And when they do story content, they do it well. And I think there's a reason why the taken king, you know, kind of gave destiny its second life because that narrative content was really good, especially considering what was in vanilla destiny. So maybe I'm on that side where I'm like more, more of that. Do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're this living game, but you showed me this awesome thing. Keep peeling that curtain back, but they also have to please people like you or the other gamers that want to just jump in and, you know, raid or do whatever and live in this living world. And maybe they put themselves between a rock and a hard place.
0: Well, I think Andrea hits on some smart things, which is uh, variety. For me, I think that is the key to making the game more vibrant for me. And I'm, I'm certainly not the core demographic for Destiny. But when it first came out or when it was first announced, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the MMO guy. Like, that's what gets me jazzed the idea of marrying that with bungee level first person shooter, yes, and I just don 't think that they really did the m m o part They did the as you say, persistent you know living world or um, whatever that jargon term was, <laughs> but shared uh, world
2: shooter. yeah, yeah,
0: shared world shooter, they did that, but i want I want them to go farther down the road of m m o because you know you talk about being able to to keep playing week after week, year after year. And people do that with MMOs, right? And the reason that they do that is because there's always something different to be doing, some other way to be experiencing that world. And I think there's really pretty much, you know, only a couple of ways to experience the destiny world. And I liked the fact that they added, you know, the, the races and stuff like that was a cool idea of like, you know, get on your speeder and go for a race. That's a different kind of thing to do in this universe. And I wish there was more of that. I wish there was more different kinds of vehicles. I wish there was more different ways, different things to be striving for rather than just another whiz bang gun. But, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the, uh, the target audience and and to be even more on the point about that christian what you're talking about with uh you know this idea of them dropping a beta and then being like boom a beta they did that the first time around and it got me really excited because the beta was awesome and so fun and i was having a blast and going oh my gosh this is just the tip of the iceberg of what this game is going to be like and then i realized oh no the tip is the entire iceberg this is the iceberg the whole <laughs> iceberg is this uh, and that was what bummed me out because I felt like the, the beta was just a taste of what we were going to get. And it turned out to be more of that forever. Um, and I'm just, I'm hoping that as Andrea's saying, that variety is really the key mechanic or key, uh, uh, well, design decision that they're enforcing at this point.
1: I, 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 I agree with you in, uh, tone, but you're also saying that as someone who's never done a raid. I know so it's it's not what the game was.
2: Wait, 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 wait.
1: That's not what the game was. Like, never done one of
2: the raids in Destiny.
1: But it was. That's right. I did not do a raid. I did. Oh, I, I a yeah. big, I did a. I did a bunch of stuff, but I didn't ever. The problem is, raids. you came in early, and coming in early, the game was a slog, and to get to the first raid wasn't fun. Uh, I think we might talk about that later in the playlist too. <laughs> when you hide the fun behind ten hours of ugh, A lot of people aren't going to get to the fun, and I think that's something that they need to work on is, hey, we have this great content. we got to get people into this because this is what people come back for, and this is what we'll sell you later. But if we bury that behind you in a cave shooting the same enemy for four hours because you're hoping for something that's a better loot so that you can actually upgrade your character to progress a little bit, most gamers aren't ever going to get there.
0: Yeah, the, the most fun I had was the like 10 hours of Destiny I played in the beta. That was the most fun I had because everything felt new and fresh. And I was playing with my friends and we were having a blast and taking down big enemies was really fun. And it felt like, Oh my gosh, we get to have a joy inside this mechanic. And then I realized the game was just more of that. And the actual larger context didn't, I didn't care about any of it. I, it didn't, they didn't give me any reason to be invested in that universe. They didn't give me any other things to do or strive for. It was just grind to get better loot. And I usually love loot, but in this particular game, because the context, because the worlds felt tiny and they didn't feel very different from one another, and there was nothing, there was nothing, there was no carrot, you know, enticing me to find out what was around the next bend that I just lost interest with that game really quickly. And I understand that I'm not typical, right? A lot of people really, really love Destiny. I'm just talking about my personal experience.
2: I wouldn't say that you're not typical. I think that there's equally uh, the amount of of people who are in your camp that are in the I Love Destiny camp. I mean, it's a very divisive game. I think that there's a lot of people who are super fans like I am, but there's people who feel exactly like you do that didn't feel that the grind was fun enough to keep doing it you know and i really loved the grind because the mechanics the shooting mechanics that Bungie developed for this game were so solid and so satisfying and the guns are so good in this game that i didn't mind going and doing the same strikes and the same missions over and over and over again i mean obviously it got way better in year two. And in year three, they really changed some things to make the grind much more fun and much more rewarding. They still have a ways to go for Destiny 2 to improve upon it, no doubt. But um, I wouldn't say that you're alone at all. I think well, that there's plenty of people that are in your camp.
0: And I think that's why having a big numbered sequel, you know, reboot the the progression, start fresh, clean slate is a great move for them right because it welcomes people like me back it says hey give this game a chance again and we're gonna show you everything we've learned you know the last couple of years of making this game and we're gonna build that all into the vanilla product and you can start fresh and you're not feeling behind or you know out geared by every other player i think that's an exciting prospect and i'm certainly interested to try destiny 2 when it when it hits um some interesting comments in the chat room. Um, Psychocross says Destiny 2 versus Red Dead Redemption 2 in a fall fight to the death. It's interesting. And I'm sure that's not going to be, that's not even remotely close to the end of the big games that we'll hear about coming out in the fall. Uh, if we thought March was crazy, fall's going to be crazy too this year, it seems like. Um, and, uh, and, you know, people are hoping that there are, there are class, new class changes and classes that are more differentiated from one another. I echo that as well. It feels like the classes in Destiny, uh, this again, people that play a lot of it probably will disagree with me, but from uh, somebody just kind of dipping their toe in, it didn't feel like my decision on a particular class had much impact on how I played the game. You know, it was, they were eh, variations on a theme rather than very different decisions you know very different gameplay modes so i i I would love to see like a
1: healer class or something i think that'd be cool i just hope there's not a huge press release this afternoon or tomorrow that negates this whole call (laughs) oh i'm sure there will be be.
0: okay so let's move on we spent a lot of time on this but christian what's your story of the week
1: we can be quick we can kind of just hit it and and move on because i'm excited about the, the playlist not that your story needs to be quick jeff but uh it was in variety this morning that Hollywood's Chinese Theater Complex Gramman's Chinese the big famous theater you've seen pictures of if you don't live in LA um celebrity handprints in the concrete big premieres take place there fairly often they actually have a couple of other theaters in this Cineplex and they announced today that they're going to launch an esports facility they didn't give a timetable, but it was a na- uh, made today, this Monday, at CinemaCon, and they want to turn the facility to function both as an MX4D motion EFX movie theater, which if you've never done, like, D-Box, basically, like that kind of... They're so dumb, but T-box. so fun. It's so dumb, but so Shake fun. Shake your
0: butt in a movie,
1: but it's like program exactly
2: what it is. <laughs> it's, it's,
1: the dumber the movie, the better time you'll have. Like you don't. It's so dumb.
2: I did it for John Wick too. Best decision ever. <laughs> oh,
1: yes, John right? Wick will John Wick will rotate your
0: butt.
1: <laughs> John Wiggle too. The Wiggles get serious. That's so great. So I'm excited about that, but when they're not going to have it be that i guess they think it's going to be they want it to be the quote is the first immersive spectator theater hosting competitive esports tournaments along with providing a launch pad for a network of tournament theaters beyond hollywood what we are launching is just the tip of the iceberg i think this is fascinating that's um, my dog. Also agreed with me. <laughs> I think this is fascinating because it's, it's showing that commitment to esports in a way. Oh man, she's going. She's going to town. Just Sorry talk.
0: about that. We were ignoring it. Go.
1: I can't though because it's my dog. Uh, I think it's fascinating showing a commitment to esports in a, in a fancy, you know, major Hollywood facility. That is going to again throw money behind this thing. That it's it's the future. It has to be the future, right? It has to be the future.
0: Well, Andrea, you are an esports uh, commentator. You are a <laughs> pundit. Uh, what do you what do you think about this development?
2: Um, I think everybody is scrambling to make a land grab in the esports, you know, new yeah. frontier that we're in right now. Um, I I think that. A lot of these companies who are scrambling to make this land grab are going to regret it in two to three years.
1: <laughs> I I really, know.
2: Nobody knows. Uh, where to really throw their do. money,
0: right? Everybody's throwing well, money, but they don't know where. That,
2: exactly. That's the problem. Is a lot of these giant companies and these, you know, uh, investments or, excuse me, investors, you know, professional athletes and the like are trying to get in to esports because everyone's talking about esports. But the problem is, is that the 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 market just isn't big enough for everybody to have a share yet. It's not growing. Going fast enough, and people are taking all of these, putting all these stakes in the ground, and I'm like, "What are you going to do with all that money you're spending on that thing over there?" Well, but there
0: there will be some winners, right? And those people are all just betting that they're going to be the winners. It's just unclear who the winners are going to be yet. Um, right. but it, you, know, it's, it's, you know, it was the dawn of the NFL and people were like, I'm going to try. What if people want to watch the NFL underwater? Let's do a submarine NFL viewing. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that's that's not going to pan out. But Buffalo Wild Wings will pan out. So, you know, there are things that work and things that don't work. So
1: and I think it's paired with the idea that the traditional cinema going experience, I think there's fear there that that is ending it, you know, it's in its tail and these Places are looking for something else. What's what's the next thing that people are going to pay a premium to go out to in public and get together? Because theaters, you know, this isn't a, a movie show, but, you know, a lot of... I think there's two or three studios right now talking about the idea of 30 to $50 rentals for movies that are only two weeks old. And that before you was an untouched topic. But now some of these... Theater operators are looking for something else, and I think esports could be, if it's done well, it could be a really cool place to gather with friends and, and watch something.
0: We also found out that the Associated Press style book uh, officially weighed in that it's esports, not e and then capital S sports. It's just all lowercase esports.
1: So the same email dropped the capital E too, which is oh, thank
2: you, know, you. I'm glad. I'm glad that somebody finally like. Said, "All right, enough shenanigans. This is the way we all are going to spell it. Everyone, yeah. get on board." And the AP is really the only people who can do that. So. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, all right, real quickly, my my story of the week really is the story of the week. I mean, I understand Destiny's exciting, but it's there's just a two. That's the entire. That's the beginning and the end of the story is a two. My story of the week is actually something really cool, which is. Blizzard announced StarCraft is getting a remastered edition that's coming out this summer. Uh, They announced it in Seoul, Korea, where, you know, Korea is where StarCraft became a massive esports phenomenon. And uh, I think this is pretty neat. Uh, StarCraft was a game that's very close to my heart. It is a game I played a heck of a lot of when it came out. It was I you know, I fell in love with Blizzard with Warcraft 2, but StarCraft was the game that really brought me into the fold and I and made me fall in love with real-time strategy in a big way and playing online and it it's just it's a magical game. It's a really, really great game, and this is a true remaster everything about the game is stays exactly the same. The, the, all the content remains exactly the same. They're not fixing or rebalancing anything. You can play through the campaign and the expansion brood war. Uh, but you can play through it in high resolution, 4k, uh, UHD resolutions are supported. All of the, uh, blizzard app stuff formerly known as uh, Battle.net, is supported. And, um, and, and I think this is really cool. This is something people have been wanting for a long time. I don't think it's going to revitalize StarCraft in any particular way. But the people that already love StarCraft, I think, are going to get a lot out of this. It's cool. What do you think, Andrea?
2: Um, I think it's awesome for fans. I'm very much in the camp when it comes to remasters and remakes. I'm like, why are studios spending time and money doing something or remastering something that was great when it was great? when they could be working on the new hotness. Mm-hmm. I just like, it's cool. Awesome. Thumbs up. Hooray. <laughs> that's, that's all I have to like, Fair that's enough. cool. For, that's cool for fans, you know, but like, I would like to see them use those resources to do something new and fresh. There's so mean much like new stuff. To, I mean, like <laughs> Overwatch is cool. They could obviously add more content to Overwatch, you know, um, Maybe a new game mode or something to make that game a little less repetitive. But, um,
1: <laughs> well, Whoa, I think easy. Uh, <laughs> Come on, don't, don't wow. throw all these. I mean, she's, I'm sorry you're talking crap about StarCraft, but you leave Overwatch out of this. Well, the no, no, thing no. Is she's I'm like, like I'm no, not De- talking
2: crap about either of those games. They're both fantastic games. She's I'm saying just Destiny
0: saying. is is great because you can do the same thing over and over, but Overwatch <laughs> is repetitive. <laughs>
2: hey i'm not saying it's bad for that reason i'm just saying i don't want to play it for for that reason (laughs)
0: um i I, the ironic thing about this i think is that i think a starcraft remaster is probably more exciting to the fan base than starcraft 3 would be sadly but i think that's the truth
2: no, I, I agree with you. Um, I think you know the response to the last expansion that came out for StarCraft II was less than um you know stellar. Not to say that it was bad, but that it just didn't invigorate the fan base the way I think Blizzard really wanted it to. And StarCraft is dying. The competitive scene for StarCraft II is, it, I I mean obviously it's very strong in certain markets of the world, but if they want to stay relevant and keep up with you know Dota and League and counter-strike even they have to you know do something different it would be really interesting you know to see if they would use the remaster in a competitive uh arena at all that Oh, i'm sure
0: cool. they will i think that's what this is for i really do i think this is going to they're trying to keep the starcraft uh, movement happening through through this move and and i i think you're right that it's It's not just that StarCraft is dying. It's that real-time strategy is dying because everybody that used to play those games are now playing MOBAs. You know, everybody that that's the fun of those games, the, the way you interact with those games has just all transferred over, transferred over to the excitement about MOBAs. But Christian, you have any thoughts on this?
1: Uh, I think it's I think it's great. I'm all for it. I think sometimes there's business decisions that maybe seem eye-rolly to us, but I think maybe make a lot of sense for what they're trying to do in terms of a long range. Like you said, keeping the brand alive. I, The Last of Us remaster helped get us Uncharted 4. So, you know, I'm totally okay with uh, remasters of franchises that I love. So just because I don't like StarCraft doesn't mean I'm like, well, this stinks. Like, I get it. <laughs>
2: Speaking
0: of stuff that stinks, Christian. Underpants can I talk to you a second about underpants? Uh, can we have I talk to-, to you
1: for a second about um you know wiping your No,
0: <laughs> it doesn't matter man it doesn't matter it's not really about the it's not about the poop okay. or, the, or you know it's not about that particularly it's about the fact that when you wear this is a sponsor read everybody we're talking about sponsors uh the the fact that we when you wear underpants. You just – by moving around in life, they're the closest thing to your body. They're, you're going to create some kind of unpleasantness perhaps. I mean I'm sure Andrea doesn't have this problem. But Christian and I definitely do. But the, <laughs> I the, want to be with Andrea. What happened? <laughs> she's an elegant, wonderful person that glows. It's, you and I don't have that kind of ability. Uh, Mac Weldon has got your backside – Quite literally, because they have premium fabrics, smart design, and they're going to get you your basics, your your underpants, your your undershirts, the things that are closest to your body, the things that for too long you don't really pay much attention to. Uh, if you're like me, for most of your life. You just bought a crappy plastic bag in a big box store of whatever the cheapest version of the undergarments were, and then you used those until they got holes in them. And even then, you were like, ah, I don't want to replace this because I don't want to go to the store and buy them. Mac Walden solves all those problems for you. Premium design, smart fabrics, simple shopping. Buy it online, goes directly to you. You don't have to get out, get out of the house, go to the store, buy underpants. Nobody wants to do that. It's not fun. Do it from the ease and, of your home computer. That's how the future is, everybody. That's what the future is for. These are comfortable, high high quality, and they are antimicrobial, which means they ain't going to stink like normal underpants do. I'm wearing my Mac, Mac Weldon's right now. I'm not even joking. I really, really am. That's because I appreciate comfort. I appreciate not stanking, and I appreciate uh, the purchase process of Mack Weldon. We're going to make it even better. Because we're going to give you 20% off if you use our promo code. All you got to do is go to MacWeldon.com, Use the promo code DLC when you check out. you get 20% off. And these are comfortable. If you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they'll still refund you your money. No questions asked. How about that? That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. So give it a try. MacWeldon.com And then the promo code DLC when you check out. Get yourself 20% off and don't stank. It's, it's, it's my it's my message to you don't stink
2: I'm literally building a cart right now for John there They're you go so cute. look at that
0: <laughs> I, I I'm afraid of what that tacitly admits about John uh, because <laughs> <laughs> as, her, as soon as you heard me say don't stink you went I'm buying these for John <laughs>
2: It's nothing to do with that. He just, <laughs> he's just like, you know, you know how it is. I do. Just I do. You guys just use the same is. boxers over and over again until they wear out. Yeah. And, like, you know, a new underwear always makes you feel good.
0: Yeah, it does. Listen to the girl and get 20% off. Use that promo code DLC, MacWeldon.com. Ooh, it's a flame. Mass Effect Andromeda, we have all been playing it. Andrea, I'm so excited to hear your take, because as I said at the top, I don't know anybody that's a bigger Mass Effect fan than you. (laughs) Uh, So Mass Effect Andromeda, what do you think?
2: Man, it's been a long time since I've been so conflicted about a game or a franchise that I uh, hold so dear. Mass Effect is one of my... Arguably my favorite franchise of all time, with Mass Effect 2 being in my top three games in the world for all time. Um, The other ones being
0: Mass Effect and Mass Effect 3.
2: (laughs) No, actually, both (laughs) of those games had their share of problems. Um, But uh, that's for a conversation for another time. Um, So Mass Effect Andromeda. The promise of this game was really exciting, and I'm not gonna pretend like I went into this game with anything but high expectations. So maybe you could say that I mismanaged my expectations, but given the pedigree of Bioware and how absolutely incredible Dragon Age Inquisition was, you know, going into Mass Effect Andromeda, I had really high hopes. And I don't think that they failed. With this game, I think that there is a lot of amazing stuff inside of Mass Effect Andromeda, but I feel like there's a lot of bad stuff that prevents you from getting to the good stuff, and that's really, really unfortunate for a game that could have been wildly successful if some design decisions had been changed at some point during the development process. So um, how many hours have you played, Jeff?
1: About 40
2: Okay, Christian, how much have you played?
1: Not, not quite four. I, uh, I mean, not quite four. I couldn't. Th- it opened so bad, guys. Like, it there's, does. there's You're so right. many good games, and I know it gets better. I'll talk about my misgivings with the opening later. I don't need to derail, but that's. I'm just like, I can't, I, I
2: can't. Yeah, no, I was, I was downright angry at the first three hours of the game, like to yeah. the point where I, I just kept saying over and over again, like, I can't believe it this is garbage. Oh my gosh, why did they do this? Um, You know, and I, I pushed through because obviously I wanted to be able to get into the meat of the game. There's a lot of RPGs that are really terrible at the beginning. And then, you know, 10 plus hours in is when they really open up and they really get great. I rage quit the first time I ever played Mass Effect. Mass Effect 2, I rage quit it and put it down for two months and never went back to it. And then, a friend of mine convinced me to pick it up again. And then I went on to play that game five times. (laughs) You know? So, I mean, you'll
0: never forgive that friend.
2: (laughs) For giving me a new obsession in life. Yeah. Um, So, um, are we cool to do some spoilers here? You want to keep it spoiler free?
1: I don't think we should talk about the end of the game. Uh, but um, I
2: haven't finished the final mission, so I couldn't even tell you what happened. Just to be
1: safe. Just to be safe, we're not going to try to do anything big, but just to be safe, people listening, we're going to be talking about Mass Effect Andromeda that you might consider some of what we're going to say spoilers.
0: But it's spoilers for the early part of the game. Right. uh, But if you want to
1: know nothing, come back later, skip ahead a little bit. I don't know how long we're going to talk about it, but this is going to be a lot of the playlist, I'm guessing. Yeah. There's going to be some early game Mass Effect Andromeda spoilers. Let's do it.
2: Okay. Um. So let's talk about what it does good before we kind of dissect what I think they failed at. Um, so the reason why a lot of people love Mass Effect is because of these incredible relationships that you get to form with your crew members in this you know beautiful space opera setting. And on that note, they hit that. Once again, you know, you get to meet these characters who weave themselves into your life and into your mission. And you connect with them in a very human way and a very unique way. Each character kind of, you know, interacts with Rider, uh very differently. And I think they once again succeeded at that. And that really is what propels you through the game um through all of the errands and chores that you have to do in this yeah. game. You're um, not
0: exaggerating. That's how most of the missions feel.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's It's really, really muddled in in some senses that they make you wait for so long to get to these things because when you do finally get to the loyalty missions for your crew members, they're really fantastic. Most of the loyalty missions are pretty great, but for some reason, BioWare decided to make the loyalty missions so many individual steps in order to get to the final actual gameplay mission part of the loyalty quest that it actually got really frustrating for me to go on these loyalty missions. It almost felt like I was, you know, forcing myself to do them just to get the completion that I wanted at the end instead of really looking forward to cementing my relationship with some of these characters. And there were a couple of characters that I didn't realize if I had their loyalty or if I didn't have their loyalty because it was, it was, wasn't apparently obvious. I mean, you have to wait. There was like a little pop-up menu that will say loyalty earned. um, Mm -hmm. And then you like click an okay button. So then you're like, oh, okay, check mark. I got it. But until that menu comes up, you kind of aren't sure in a couple of them because of some of the dialogue options. So they did away with the binary Paragon Renegade options in favor of this more broad, like four. Uh, different emotional options which kind of makes it um you know a little bit more interesting but because it's not binary I thought it made most of the conversations actually a little bit more generic and a little more bland
0: yeah I, you know I I was a big critic of the Paragon um what's the what's the other one uh Renegade. Renegade, yes. The Paragon Renegade systems in the first three games. I, I really didn't like that, especially because they awarded you points and then certain skills got unlocked if you got high enough on one of those scales. So I thought, well, they're gamifying this. It has now taken away any kind of decision that I make inside the context of a conversation. Instead, all I'm doing is how do I maximize my points because I want to get something for it. And I thought that really betrayed the spirit of role playing in the sense of I'm no longer inside this conversation going, oh, wow, how would I how would I react or how would I want my character to react? It's more like, well, which of these do I think leads to the most points? I want that that
1: force electricity and I want it
0: now. Right. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it it bugged me. me, right? It bugged me. So I thought this was a huge step forward, but. With everything in this game, every everything that I compliment this game on, I always have to go yeah, but there's a lot of yeah buts with this game. Oh
2: yeah, (laughs) so my yeah
0: yeah, but with this is exactly what you're talking about. Where there are multiple times when the little shorthand response that the prompt is is showing me leads me no, gives me no information as to how my character is actually going to respond. Like I have no no concept of of where that's going to actually steer this conversation and the little icon of like oh well it's a an emotional response or a uh you know a, a logical response that doesn't particularly give me much information either at one point i was uh doing a mission and there was this 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 decision to be made of like okay do we go and we we get the person that we were here to get or do we save a bunch of civilians you know it, that are also in danger and I, being the kind of gamer that I am, would have wanted to save the civilians. But the the options were focus or like uh you know something else. And I was like, oh fo- focus, focusing is a good thing. So I clicked focus, and he's like, no, screw the survivors. We're we're going to say we, we got to do our mission. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that's what focus meant. I I don't undo, undo, undo. But I couldn't, of course. Uh, and I think that is problematic through this whole thing. It's like. Yeah, they've made the the choices more broad, but now I have no idea what my choices actually are.
2: Yes, exactly. That's it's incredibly problematic, especially when there are, you know, consequences to the choices that you make. I mean, that's what's exciting about playing a new Mass Effect game for the very first time, especially when it just comes out and nobody knows what all of the different arcs are. Like, if you are to make this choice in this mission, how it's going to affect your missions down the road, I mean, that takes, you know, a couple of weeks, if not months, for the community to figure out what all of the different branches are. And that's what's so great and exciting and exhilarating about what Bioware has done with the Mass Effect franchise to say, my first playthrough is going to be... You know, completely by the seat of my pants. I have no idea what I'm doing. Maybe I'm gonna have an outcome that I'm gonna hate later, and I'm gonna have to go back and you know change all of my decisions. But that's what I love about it. But it was problematic for that reason that you're explaining, Jeff, and that was really frustrating.
0: Yeah, and and you know the game does get better, as you said, about the 10 hour mark is where I was like, okay, I kind of understand the systems. I like the fact I like the central idea of populating a new galaxy. That's a really compelling science fiction premise, and. I like the 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 big open worlds. There's again, it's a yeah, but because most of the stuff I'm doing on those open worlds does feel like chores and that's really frustrating, but there's a lot of cool stuff that happens. But the the writing, while I think is strong in as you said in some of those loyalty missions and a lot of the interpersonal relationships, there's still a lot of really bad stuff. There's one mission in particular Uh, that, that jumps out in my head. That's indicative. I think of the problem where there's you, you go to this base and it's an enemy base and the base is protected by a shield. And you go there with your, these team of dudes. And then it's like, you have this, like a bigger team than normal. They're like three extra guys with you. And they're like, Oh, let's, we got to figure out a way to get in through it, into the shield. how are we going to get past the shield? And it's like, Oh, well, this is a really interesting problem. And it's like, Oh, scan it. Okay there's the hole in the shield, walk through it. And that's the entire solution to that quote unquote puzzle <laughs> is you scanned where the hole in the shield was, and then you walked through the hole. And it's like, uh, couldn't we have maybe, I don't know, done something interesting at all in any way, like made me figure out how to get through the shield in a way that's not just use my scanner. Why do you build a shield that you can scan a hole in it? <laughs> anyway, I, I think throughout the entire game, it's just weak.
1: You
2: get it's hit- a, yeah, go, go ahead, Christian. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, yeah, it's for me. I got so frustrated because the mechanics were all over the place. When you talk about, you know, scanning, like this kind of detective mode thing, is you know was a is a big focus. It's like a a pillar of gameplay mm-hmm. for for Ryder throughout the entire campaign that you have to constantly be using this scanner to look at things. But, like, w- what you can scan and where you can scan it didn't seem to be consistent. Um, I really loved the puzzle mechanic involved in opening the remnant vaults on each of the worlds that led to the terraforming process. Using, using the different glyphs to you know figure out the pattern in this puzzle. That was one of my favorite parts of the game. But how you open the vault kept changing and how you activated the monoliths on each world felt like it was different enough that I was like, wait a minute, I thought I just figured out this mechanic and now you're changing it. And I got, I found myself instead of being excited by like, oh, it's something different. I was like, wait a minute, I'm so exhausted from doing all this busy work that you're now going to make me do something different with one of the key pillars of the game. And so I, I started to resent it towards yeah. the end, and that got, that was really sad for me because I was, I, I really liked that mechanic, and I, th- I still think the vaults are one of the best parts of, of you know, the core campaign experience. But I think it's indicative of a bigger design problem that there's just no rhyme or reason. It feels very chaotic. The The cohesion across the design and the quest system is so erratic that it it, it becomes incredibly frustrating.
0: It's like nobody asked if the stuff was fun. Because I mean, there's really cool stuff. The scanning gets you the idea. The basic idea behind it is scanning gets you information, which is converted to points, and then you spend that information points on researching technology. So it it's a really cool uh, concept. You know, it, the more you know about alien technology, the more you can leverage that alien technology to do stuff with it. That is a cool idea. But how it's implemented is never fun. It's not fun to just. Scan something. And as you said, who knows what you can scan? The controller rumbles when you're near something you can scan because that's the only – they have to tell you because there's, it doesn't make any other sense. There's no, as you said, rhyme or reason.
2: Well, and the the in-game economy of the research points is to me completely worthless. I, every piece of equipment that I am using, I – have crafted from stuff that I've picked up in the world, not something that I've researched. Which is, to me, like, what's the point of getting research points if the only reason I need to have them is because at some point a quest is going to tell me I have to research and develop a specific item to fulfill a quest. Right. But the in-game crafting system does not have any kind of real payoff. And that was really incredibly disappointing because the inventory system is quite robust, but... The menus and the sheer volume of different types of things that you can craft. And it's not really explained, you know, how to use augmentations, uh, you know, the specifics between using them for your weapons and using them from your gear, all of the different stats that come along with them. It's just the crafting system just was not rewarding in a way that, made it worth the incredible amount of hassle that you have to do to even, you know, kind of get into it in the first place. It's- let's let's
0: step back and, Christian, I want to talk about the beginning of the game because uh, we all agree that it does not put its best foot forward and, in fact, is downright bad at the beginning. And I want you to tell me your experience uh, for the beginning of the game and what and specifically, like, what turned you off?
1: Sure. So going in, know that I have not finished any Mass Effect game, so know that you know going in as to where i am um in terms of what this franchise means to me nothing um but so first of all it's hard I, I i streamed it my first 90 minutes is up on my twitch and on archived on my youtube which is just christian spicer 713 you can relive it with me <laughs> if you so desire um and so there's a little bit of a chicken in the egg thing where i don't know how bothered i would have been by the animations and face um technot rendering or expressions. Had I not heard about it beforehand or seen the memes and the gifs, but from the get go, you, you know, you see your character, and I think there's supposed to be these serious, heavy, weighty conversations about what's happening to your family and and how you relate in your in your family and in your role in this, you know, important mission to save humanity and, and or you know to experience and explore this new system. Uh, and get out to get out into Andromeda and, and what you're supposed to be doing. At the whole time I was playing as Sarah Ryder, I picked the girl and I didn't bother customizing because I've heard that makes them look worse. And she just has this, this like blank slash snarky half smile on her face the whole time. And she'll just be like, Oh no, my brother. I just farted, like is what her face is saying. <laughs> oh and it, it really takes you out of it or like, you know, I'm not going to do that, dad. I'm my own person. <laughs> oh, come
0: on i'm not kidding all it's, right so so her face looks silly but what like from a
1: from a gameplay's perspective there i mean it is also well so from a gameplay perspective it's it's also middle of the road but from a game that's supposed to be setting up this story that's supposed to matter to you what they do with and i talked about this on uh i did a, a logan spoiler chat on uh at least 20 more minutes where what this game does is it uses family as shortcuts for emotion. And so it takes this entirely new cast and crew and just, it's like, now you care about them. <laughs> Go care about these people. What a life they've had. By the way, you sure care about them and, and you don't. And then it drops this, you know, after the, the first hour or whatever it is, it drops, it's supposed to be this emotional moment on you, but it feels, forced and and like a gimmick and you don't care because you don't know anything about these people and i think that's supposed to be the launch pad for what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to explore this world and the baggage you're carrying with you with your relationship and it's it's bad and the writing leading up to that point is bad i was in a firefight and and uh liam just (laughs) yells out someone's having a bad day because i shot his
2: face (laughs) just
1: shut Shut it, Liam. Just
2: no, keep- yeah, Liam's Liam's the worst. Like, he's <laughs> the most throwaway character it's- in this game. I tweeted that last night that I wish I hadn't done his loyalty mission <laughs> so that he could be killed off at the end of the game. I just... I do not like it, but I totally 100% agree with you, Christian. In a game that banks on the emotional connections that you make with other characters and puts all of its weight into narrative storytelling, it's re- the, the facial animations really take you out of it. And I can maybe forgive the inconsistencies in writer's animation because you customize your character. So sure, maybe from a tech perspective, those are a little bit harder to nail. But the NPCs, the people that you don't play, for them to have all of those problems as well when they are, you know, canned animations that are never going to change, was really jarring. For the first time in my gaming life, Playing in RPG, I turned closed captions on so I could skip faster through the dialogue. Mm. Yeah. I think that says a lot.
1: <laughs> it certainly it, it, does. It does. There's so many emotional, yeah, like shortcuts. And that's the other thing. You're supposed to invest this 60 to 100, whatever hours with this, this group getting to know these people. But the first impression they make on you, you don't, you don't want to. I want to spend, unless someone told me, don't worry, all these people die and you get a new crew in the second hour. I'd be like, okay, see you later, disposables. Let's, let's meet the people I'm really going to like being with. And then the gameplay itself in this first four hours or whatever it is that I, that I played with the game, like the shooting, I guess it's it's better. I like the jump pack. The jump pack felt great. Uh, like the little sound it made and and the way it reacted when you kind of launched yourself. That felt awesome. But the shooting itself, I'm playing on Xbox one, there was like I saw it in the run animation too. like when you stop running and you take your finger off the this a- control stick, she'll like take a few more steps. And I felt like when I was aiming also, like my reticle would would just hover just a little farther than I wanted it to. So I went in and tried to adjust the sensitivity, and I never got this thing that felt – like, I was playing Gears of War, or I was playing even Uncharted, or any third-person action game, and I felt like in this version of Mass Effect, you know, they were really going for that. Like, this wasn't, you know, uh, OG Dragon Age, or even, I guess, Inquisition, where I could stop and set up all my dudes and coordinate attack and then kind of do that old-school RPG role. This was, I'm Ryder, it's third-person combat, and it just felt, it, it, it's, it's fine, it's fine but I mean, I, it I, should be better thing.
2: I think that th- I think yeah. that that's why there's a lot of backlash to this is because I love this game you know I love this franchise and I just want it to be better so I can say this was like the best game of the year like I wanted I wanted to be able to say that And like these little combat things that you're talking about like you're totally right. Like the running and the stopping is an issue. Like for me, even the way that they set up the button layout on PS4, Having to use the touchpad to pull up my weapon wheel, I really, I really just don't like it at all. They didn't, what, about,
1: what about the, the fact that— or the HUD from the first game? Like, selecting your HUD to do your inventory, to do your thing? It's—sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. I was going
0: to say, what about the fact that one of, one of the joys of the Mass Effect universe for me was, um, you know, telling my squad mates to do specific things? In this game, you get to level up your squad mates and decide where to put points, but it doesn't matter because they're going to do whatever the hell they do anyway. So it's, it's nice to give them more points in a thing that they do. And I guess they're doing that thing while I'm (laughs) shooting stuff. But uh, in previous games, it was really fun because I could tell the person to, you know, levitate an enemy and then I would finish them off. And the game still has these cool combos, but I'm kind of oblivious as to whether my squad mates are going to set me up for a combo or I set them up, them up for a combo. I'll do a combo myself because I have control over that. And in their decision to make this game much more of a pure third-person shooter, I think they've succeeded. I think it is a fun third-person shooter, but it loses all of the RPGness that it that it had that was that was really fun in the combat.
1: But well, it's a it's an, maybe an A minus or B plus third-person shooter. That's the thing; it's not the best third-person it's like Years shooter. Of War, no, right? I think I yeah. think
2: that's being even generous. Yeah. I took a screenshot of a scope image i had with one of my first sniper rifles and the graphics and the like zoom on that sniper it was it was really bad like it was so bad that i felt compelled to take a screenshot of how bad it was (laughs) i didn't post it you know because like obviously it gets better but like you know it was it was really disappointing from a from a combat perspective i i thought it was such a great thing that they included this jump and evade movement mechanic love it love it in combat but it's i, I get so f- frustrated with how formulaic all of the enemy encounters are yeah that it takes like the fun out of using the cool new stuff like one of the highlights of you know the uh, combat rpg progression in mass effect andromeda is the ability to be able to respec your points and change which kind of profile you are on the fly all of the previous mass effect games where you picked you know, a profile at the beginning of the game, and that's who you were the entire journey through your whole Mass Effect playthrough. So if you were like an adapter or a soldier or whatever you picked, that's what you had to play. I love that Andromeda gives you the flexibility to kind of change the kind of character you want to be throughout the game, but they don't give you a payoff to use it that way. I picked three abilities because you can only use three at a time, even though they let you do like a, a favorites and be able to swap them out. I couldn't figure out how to use that efficiently. So I picked three and I stuck with the whole the whole 60 hours I've played. I have tactical cloak and I have pull and throw. That's it. That's all I've used mm. the entire game. Wow. And that to me is, you know, pretty disappointing from the sense that they give you the freedom, but they don't really incentivize you to want to use that.
0: Can I tell you a, a giant nitpick that I have uh with the with the profiles things? You you probably haven't experienced this too much because you're only sticking with the one thing, but I have tried to shuffle between different profiles a lot. It drives me insane that when you go to the quick select profile wheel, for some insane reason, it they change the A button to Change this slot to what my current loadout is instead of select this slot. So I go to my wheel and I go to my, go to a a slot that I want to switch to that I've spent a lot of time setting up because the only way to do it is to pick your profile class, pick your three, uh, your three skills, pick all the stuff that you want and then save it to a slot with by pressing A stupidly. And when you then want to switch to that profile on the fly, you select that profile and press x for some stupid reason. But my mind says, well, if I want to select something and pick it, I push A. So I'm constantly like invalidating all the work I did in setting up those profiles by switching to a profile and pushing A and then replacing that slot with what I have currently equip- equipped, which just doubles another slot. It's so fucking stupid. Sorry.
1: <laughs> but that all all of that said I do want to say like I mean, I think we are justifiably piling on this game but i think if you are enjoying it there's nothing wrong with that and i think if you are a big mass effect fan there is likely something for you in this game and there's nothing wrong with liking something that's a six or a seven to this day i will defend uncharted golden abyss on the vita and i remember at the time i defended the touchscreen mechanics of rubbing off paper uh rubbings to like uncover clues i was like this is neat i mean come on i get it <laughs>
0: well that's my question for you Andrea, is is where does this leave us right because you've put in dozens and dozens of hours in this game and you're continuing to play it despite all this stuff would you still be playing if it if it was just random new ip and not mass effect is there is are you just sort of pot committed to this franchise at this point or do you genuinely still find joy in it
2: I genuinely still find joy in it, despite all of the problems that this game has, and there are a multitude of problems. um, I still really enjoy my time with it. Um, It's certainly a love hate relationship with a game like I probably haven't had since Kingdoms of Amalur. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: that was I liked that game actually. I
2: know I really liked that game too. Um, You know, so like I, I think that if you like Mass Effect at all. I, I would not miss Mass Effect Andromeda because I think what they're doing to set up for the next installment in this new saga that they're creating in the Andromeda galaxy with, you know, Ryder as the new figurehead. This is the,
0: this is the Batman v. Superman argument. It's like, <laughs> this, this one is is crappy, but it's setting up for some good stuff, people. So you better watch it.
2: And there are some really good payoffs in some of the missions. And even some of the side quests have some really fun gameplay. And some really great, like, laugh-out-loud moments, some awesome emotional connections you have with characters. It just, you really have to get deep into the game to get there. And I, I wish that they hadn't opened up the world in such a massive way so that you get so lost. You get so lost doing absolutely stupid side quests. Just complete waste of time, like errandless. Hey, go pick up this herb on this one section of this planet or go scan this rock for me. Just waste of time. Like why? Why did you even put those in the game? So I would say if you can, what I've been trying to remind myself is stay focused to the things that sound interesting and don't let yourself get – sidetracked by all of the little markers on your map that are like, hey, go here and collect this thing. Hey, go here and scan this thing. If you can stick to the, you know, the allies and alliances, what it was, was it alliances and relationships? It's the one right under the priority option. There's like the top do Don't get me started on the
0: (laughs) stupid menu system.
2: I know, it's bad. I'd say you're going to have a great time with this game. I mean, and it's – you know, when you get into space, like the traveling between planets is is unreasonably long, but it's beautiful.
0: There's <laughs> <laughs> always a yeah, but uh, I know. <laughs> I, I just, I've so enjoyed talking to you about this, Andrea. I know you, your time is short. I, I want to talk a few more things in the playlist, but I have to thank our second sponsor. And um, I, listen, I'm never going to say I have favorites with the sponsors. I'm never going to say that. But I'll just say this. I'm so glad that Blue Apron is sponsoring our show. I've tried I tried for a year to get them to sponsor our show. Finally happened. And that is because I've been using Blue Apron personally for over two years now, and it literally changed my life. Have you tried Blue Apron yet, Andrea?
2: I have a coupon that's been sitting on my counter for weeks. Oh, you gotta so do, do it.
0: You and John, I think, would would love this. I don't know anything about your your, you know, uh, culinary life or how, what do you guys do for food every night? But it has changed. Champagne. They just do champagne. champagne. Yeah. Everything with champagne. That's for sure. Uh, blue apron has changed my life. Christian, you, you, well, let me explain what, what blue apron is. Blue apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. What does that mean? That means they send you recipes, three recipes a week, high quality, awesome, delicious recipes and the exact ingredients you need to make those recipes. So you don't have to pick what you're making for dinner, and you don't have to go to the grocery store and buy a bunch of useless things that you'll end up throwing away. If you need one egg for for a recipe, they send you one egg. They don't send you a dozen eggs, and then you have to figure out how you're gonna eat the rest of those eggs. If, If you need some basil, they send you some basil, not a bushel of basil. It cuts down on waste, it makes you feel better about that, and it's, it's perfect because it, it doesn't take up space in your fridge and it doesn't restrict you to the other things you want to eat for the rest of the week. You just have what you have and makes that delicious meal. Last night I made a catfish katsu. This is a blue apron recipe. Uh, it, it was amazing. And the coolest thing. I've learned about so many ingredients that I'd never heard of in my life before. Almost every week there's something I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Oh my God. I love this. Uh, last night, this, uh, catfish katsu, which was amazing. It had a, a a cabbage like salad as a side thing and rice that had, it wasn't just rice. It wasn't just regular rice. You, you put, um, the white bottoms of scallions in the rice, and you put this cool seasoning in there. It was so good, but, the uh, Catfish Katsu had black garlic, black garlic. I've never heard of black garlic. Black garlic is delicious. It was amazing. Uh, Christian, I know that you have tried Blue Haven for the first time, right?
1: Yeah, I'll just uh, chime in and say their vegetarian recipes are excellent. Oftentimes with things like this, it's like, yeah, we have a vegetarian menu, and then it's just like, here's a head of cabbage. Good luck, sucker! Um, right. <laughs> I, I've been a vegetarian for years and had been hesitant to try some of these because of that. And it's like, yeah, fine, it looks all right, but they've all been great and they've all they've all been delicious. So if you you know have a dietary restriction, you know maybe look into it, give it a shot.
0: Yeah, you can you can uh, stipulate uh, pescatarian, vegetarian. Uh, You can even go in every week and select which three meals uh, of six total that you want to pick for yourself. So you don't have to just surrender yourself to whatever they pick for you. You can literally go in every week on their website and go, ooh, that sounds better than what they had me selected. I'm going to swap that out. Super cool. Uh, It has changed my life. It has made me enjoy cooking, which I never really did uh it, it's it's a wonderful bonding time for my wife and myself we sit down over a home cooked fresh meal the all the ingredients are super fresh you know exactly what's going into your meal so you you know it's healthy you're not it's not a bunch of crap from a restaurant that you don't know what they put in it and it's easy it's it's not i'm not a chef but now i've like learned all these cool skills i feel awesome the way they describe the instructions are very clear and they lay it out in a really cool way. So it's like, while this is happening, do this. Awesome. Like no, no, um, cookbook that I know of does that where, you know, they really tell you use this same pan to do this over here. So you don't have to wash multiple pans. It's great, man. And the best thing is we're going to hook you up. You get your first three meals for free with free shipping, always free shipping with them. By going to blueapron.com DLC, make sure you put that DLC at the end so they know you're coming from us. I'm telling you guys, this is the greatest thing. It's inexpensive. It's very, very reasonable. It saved my wife and I tons of money and made us feel better about it ourselves. It's great. You're going to love, love it. I, I guarantee it. Blueapron.com slash DLC for a better way to cook. Alright, let's jump right back into the the playlist right now, um, because I know, um, Andrew, you got, you're short on time. Um, I want to hear, because we don't talk about this game at all, and I know that you're a big fan of Paragon. So I, I know that they've added some new characters, there's a bunch of new stuff going on in Paragon. Are you still digging on that game?
2: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm still very much into it. It's been tough for me to not log in every day and get my, you know, daily bonus from playing a single match because I've been so busy playing Mass Effect. Um, but I really, just that game sunk its hooks in me in a, in a really deep way. And I'm having just so much fun with that game. And I got the chance to talk to some of the development team at PAX East and see some of the stuff that they have coming down the pipeline in the future. And it's just all like super exciting to me. And. You know, I know that when they released Monolith, which is the new map, and they kind of let go of Legacy, the original map that came out in early access, uh, a large portion of the fan base, you know, got really upset, but there are more active players now than there have ever been. And so I think that that speaks for itself, that that game is, you know, constantly looking at fan feedback and they're always balancing and looking at the forms and taking, you know, the criticisms and the praise from, you know, their players and trying to incorporate that into a better gameplay experience
0: there's a lot of MOBAs out there and I know this one is a high quality one I only tried it a little bit um it's sort of more 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 sprite a sprite (laughs) more smite than it is uh League of Legends um third person action game not really my speed but it certainly looks high quality and, and a lot of people are enjoying it so I'm glad to hear you're digging it too
2: yeah, no, it's a, I think it's a beautiful game. I'm playing on PS4 Pro. There's cross play between, uh, PS4 and, uh, PC, which is awesome because, you know, I can play with my friends who play on PC. And because it's a MOBA, I don't feel like I'm at a disadvantage against PC players. I mean, certainly when you're talking about people who are playing on a professional level or are in the Platinum League, you know, then we could get down to specifics about, you know, how playing on PC is probably better, but, um, I have a really great time with it and I think that, you know, they're diversifying their character lineup and they're only going to make it better and you know, they're reworking the card system, which has been my favorite part about Paragon is that I feel like it's much more approachable than other MOBAs, the card crafting system and being able to build these decks for your characters that really have a meaningful impact on gameplay. When I was playing League, I just thought that the item system was just way too complicated and too complex for me to you know, really understand. And I felt it was too daunting. And so I kind of walked away. And then when third person Paragon came out, I was like, Ooh, I love third person. Let me give this a try and have a look back.
0: Very, very cool. Um, how how are you doing on time? You, You need to take off or are you okay?
2: Um, I could hang for about another 10 to 15 minutes. Okay,
0: cool. I, I want to read this email that we got, and then uh, Christian and I have some stuff on our playlist as well. Uh, I think this is fun, and I'd love to get your feedback on it. Um, this comes from Michael Sweat. He wrote this to uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, he said, um, Hey, guys, love the show. I just want to share a Zelda story with you. My three-and-a-half-year-old son is really into the game. He's not quite able to play games himself, and my previous attempts to get him interested in mostly retro games only held his attention for a typically limited amount of time. With Breath of the Wild, though, he requests it on a daily basis and will sit in my lap and watch me play for as long as I'll let him. I think he uh, he was already into maps, exploring woods, finding treasure, seeing animals, and stuff like that, so this game really has it all for him. His favorite part has become when I fight all the mean guys, and also whenever I cook or eat food so he can share his expertise. Expertise on the subject. Pro tip, explain to your kid that shooting animals with toy arrows just makes them run away fast so they leave behind a smoke cloud and some meat if you are in need of fresh ingredients while they're watching. I've been documenting some of his more interesting observations and interpretations of the game on my Facebook wall, and I think it will be fun to go back to it years later. Some choice excerpts are that he thinks the point of the game is to find Link's parents. He's always asking about them and giving his theories on their whereabouts. And he was very concerned that Link had no house until I discovered you could actually buy one and his obsession with the hot Fi Mountain. <laughs> I made the mistake of promising we would finally go up and see the top only to find you literally burst into flames if you try it early in the game. So he was a little disappointed by that. He also named our solid black steed Flower for some reason. I heard Christian mention, mention that his daughter was into Breath of the Wild also and would love to hear some similar, similar stories if he has them. Anyway, keep up the great work. Um, I think one of my greatest joys, Andrea, has been uh, reading your husband's uh uh live blogging of you playing Mass Effect Andromeda. It has been uh, <laughs> wonderful to read uh Christian, do you have um, do you have any fun stories of your daughters and Breath of the Wild?
1: She's still super into it. Like what her thing is she just loves, she loves cooking and like the, it's like joy, but also then disappointment, but also joy when you make something gross and it's like, this is inedible, you know, whatever, it uh, probably tastes worse than it smells. And like, she just, you know, takes the most random stuff and i'll try to help her through it she'll ask me about ingredients she can't you know read everything on screen yet she's only four and a half but she you know the pictures she like what does this mushroom do what does this one do can i add this to this i'm like well let's try and find out and it has such a distinctive jingle when it makes a, a you know a known recipe that when that comes on even my uh, almost two-year-old who will sometimes be in the room watching too like as soon as it starts she puts her hands out like as if she were holding a hula hoop kind of around her waist and then just like shakes her butt like Every time she's like, like the like, box of video games right there. She gets real into it. So it's fun. And it's nice to, you know, have that gaming experience with him. We have not gone to a uh, Fi mountain yet or anything like that though. She just wants to cook just to cook. Yeah. Cause then when we see bad guys, she goes like, Ugh, you take it <laughs> and, like throws my $70 pro controller at me. And I'm like, Ugh. there's a, there's a lot of games that involve cooking, but for some reason, the magic of
0: Nintendo of actually like throwing those, those ingredients into a pot and watching them like dance around as you cook them. That is just viscerally joyful. There's, there's, it is, there's something about it. That's just better than any other cooking in any other video game ever. Uh, It's great. Uh, I want to talk about one other game on my, on my playlist before Andrea leaves, uh, because I'm curious if either of you guys have played or want to play everything.
2: I've seen a little bit about this game, but other than just watching some gameplay, I don't understand what it is. Neither did I.
0: In fact, there's very few games that I go into not knowing anything about it. I didn't know anything about everything. It's <laughs> a funny sentence. Um, but I, I, I heard it was great. I, I, late at night, started it up. I had had a long day. Uh, my wife was out of town. I was exhausted. And I had been reading a lot of horrible news stories and was feeling very depressed. And in some magical serendipity, everything was exactly what I needed in that moment. It's hard to explain this game, but I'm going to do my best. You start the game and it randomly puts you inside an animal. Okay. And you're in this very simplistic looking environment, a forest, most likely. Uh, I happen to be put into an elk. Okay, so I was this elk, and if you push forward on the stick, uh, you expect your elk to move forward, and it does, but it doesn't walk. There's no walk animation, there's no you know, majestic elk prancing. It just tumbles. It literally just moves the the entire character model in a circle, just like thum, 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 thum. just puts it on its head, then its back, then its butt, then its feet, then its head, then its back, then its butt then its feet. Just in the most awkward, unsightly way. It, it's like, oh, well, this game is dumb. Uh, it, this is clearly janky and stupid. And why am I wasting my time with this? But I stuck with it. You move around. And then slowly the game sort of gives you some text bubbles that you can find that tell you, um, there's really no wrong direction to go. Just go. Just explore. Okay, so you're exploring. And there's not really much to see. And there's other animals running around. It's like, oh, you know you can dance at any time. Push a button to dance. What is dancing? Dancing is moving in a pattern for no reason. Okay. So you push a button and your thing kind of like jostles in a pattern for no reason. Janky, stupid. What is this? This is dumb. Then you, uh, you're told you can, you can find other elk uh, that are just like you and you can cobble them together in a sort of like Pikmin style clump that you can move all of them around. Okay. So who, no big deal. Oh, and as a group, they can all dance in a group. They can all sing. So you can sing and you can dance and you've got this elk. Thing that's like supposed to be singing again, janky, dumb. What is this stupid thing? Then it says you can transfer into other things in the world, you can transfer into something bigger than you, or you can transfer into something smaller than you. What's an example of something bigger than you? A tree. Okay, transfer into a tree. Now you're a tree. Hey, a tree can dance, a tree can sing, a tree can move through the environment. It's not really how trees work in the real world, but. In this game, trees can move. They can just move through the environment. Okay, that's weird. Uh, keep going. Do you want to move into something larger or something smaller? Well, I'm going to keep moving to something larger. Okay, now I'm a, a giant tree. Now I can transfer into a continent. Continents can move, continents can dance, continents can sing. Now I can transfer larger and get to a planet. Planets can move, planets can sing. All the while, you're still encountering these thought bubbles that give you these sort of fortune cookie-esque thoughts, you know, these little ponderings on existence. What does it mean to, to to live? What does it mean to be a part of something? What does it mean to be connected to all the things in the universe? Okay, now your planet can, you can be a bigger planet. You can be a sun, a star. Now you can be a galaxy. A galaxy can move and dance and sing, You can go down smaller and smaller. You can be uh, a tiny little flower. You can be a tiny little frog. You can be a bug on that frog. You can be uh, a little dust mite that's moving through the world. You can be a bit of of water. You can be a molecule. You can be even tinier than that, atomic level. And all the while, it's telling you these little thoughts, these little musings on what it means to exist – And it's giving you a percentage of stuff that you've been, how many animals you've been, how many plants you've been, how many trees, how many types of water you've been. Have you been ice water? Have you been liquid water? Have you been water vapor? And you start, at least I, kept playing much longer than I expected to. I was playing hours and hours of this game late into the night. And you start, then you... Eventually, find little nodes that are these audio recordings of this lecture series about connectedness. And I remembered back in my college days, you know, when you're kind of tripping on things and and expanding your mind and thinking about these big ideas. And I, you know, this idea, oh, you know, we're not we're not individuals in a world; we're one thing that's experiencing itself subjectively, right? And here's this video game that's sort of giving me that experience of like. Oh, what if everything is everything? What if we are all parts of a larger whole? What if, what is it like to be small or big or connected or jumping between all these things? And this extraordinary experience of thinking about what it is to be was like this amazing healing moment for me where. I all of a sudden felt more connected to the world, and I, I did feel purposeful and whole. <laughs> and it's an extraordinary thing that a video game can provide that. It, it was this janky, weird experience that became so artful and so purposeful, and all of the jankiness became its its beauty. I've never really experienced anything like that with a video game, and I think it's an a very, very special thing. It's called Everything, and you can play it on PlayStation 4. You guys interested in playing it?
2: Yeah, I definitely want to check it out. I think it it sounds very um, therapeutic in a way, yeah. based off everything that you've just said about it. So yeah. definitely going to give it a go.
0: I mean, it's, it's very hippy-dippy, but I think it – it's sort of oh, so
2: is Journey. Right.
0: But I mean I but I lo- I sort of fell in love with it. I, I think it's it's a game that sort of wins you over slowly and takes its time and um, is a very specific thing and it, it isn't about winning, but I felt compelled to keep trying what is it like to be inside this little thing or that big thing or and then the fact that you're compiling this this compendium of all the things you've been It's very compelling in a strange way. It really is.
1: You need to play Future Unfolding.
0: Okay. I don't know what that is, but I will.
1: I talked about it, what, last week, two weeks ago? Oh, oh, that
0: game. Right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. What's that on? You'll dig
1: it. Uh, I played it on PC. I'm not sure where else it is. I played it on PC.
0: Uh, Andrea, I know you have to go. Uh, You're the best for coming and hanging out with us while you could. Um, We wish you all the best. Please tell the folks where they can keep up with your internet persona.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm sorry I can't hang until the end, but um, I love you know chatting games with you, and hopefully we can chat about games again sometime soon. Um, the easiest place to keep up with what I am working on is Twitter, so that's just at,
0: at Andrea Renee is what she was going to say. Uh, we lost... Andrea right then, but that was good. She was leaving anyway. Uh, Apologies for cutting her off right there. Uh, We just, we lost her. So uh, it's at Andrea Renee. She said she's got some fun, exciting stuff coming soon. So follow her on Twitter, but the show rolls on. All right. Time to uh, thank our third sponsor, which is Casper. If you're sleeping poorly, there's no excuse. Casper now solves all your problems. I got myself a Casper mattress. It's awesome. They show up in a tiny little round tube. You slice them open with the like included cool packaging stuff. It unfolds in front of you. It's super comfortable, nice mattresses. These are mattresses sold directly to consumers over the internet so they avoid all of the overhead of a of a big warehouse store. And you can try them out for a hundred nights, a hundred night home trial. So if you're not sleeping well, if you're having any kind of problems, it's probably because you've had your mattress for too long. Jump on the Casper bandwagon. I got one. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to get. They're awesome. It shows up in cool packaging. And uh, if you don't like it, after 100 nights or any part of that 100 nights, they will come back and pick it up from you and refund you entirely your purchase price. That's pretty cool. That's how much they believe in their product. These are super high-quality mattresses uh, built by a team of in-house engineers Over 20,000 reviews, and they have an average of 4.8 stars out of 5. That's quickly becoming Internet's favorite mattress. And uh, this is all designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. So if you want to support U.S., that's really cool, too. Obsessively designed mattress, obsessively engineered at a shocking fair price. This is memory foam and award-winning sleep surfaces with just the right sink and the right amount of bounce. So, Go to casper.com slash DLC, use that promo code DLC, and you'll get yourself 50 bucks off the purchase price. That's pretty cool too. Do it, check it out, casper.com slash DLC, and the promo code DLC. All right, Christian, just wrapping up the playlist a little bit. I know you were playing Splatoon 2, the uh, the test, the test trials. global test
1: right? fire.
0: Yeah. Um I never really got into st- Splatoon but I recognize it as being a very cool game. Um were you a big splatooner?
1: I own Splatoon 1 on the Wii U. I've played not tons of it. It didn't hook me the way it did others. Um I I recognize that it it was cool and neat and fun, but as a guy who primarily gets sucked in with narrative-based games, I kind of fell off of it, and I think because it was on Wii U, it was just more cumbersome for me to go back to than the other systems I was playing on um, versus like Overwatch, which I have on my PC, which is just like it's always there looking at me, and I'm like, it's like, hey, you should be working, and I'm like, yeah, but uh, (laughs) click, click, oops, (laughs) here I am playing some Overwatch. So from what I, I maybe put two hours in uh, cumulative with uh test fire, I was able to get in very easily both times, which hopefully is good news for what the finish thing is going to be. It felt very much like Splatoon 1. I, I played both on the big screen and in handheld mode. I primarily use the roller, which has been, I, it appears to have been nerfed from Splatoon 1, but it's kind of still what I, I liked and I got used to. So I spent most of my time with that. But it's still, I mean, it felt very much like the same game. You're still doing the same thing, cup painting your side, trying to, you know, uh, own the most territory and then combat in terms of, like, killing the other player, splitting the other player, isn't as much of a goal as, you know, if they get in your way, then you can or kind of harass them to hold down your your side of things. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's control, and it, it's fun. I think it's going to do well. I think people are going to like it. I don't know if it will quite have the same reception as the first one just because the first one was so unexpected from Nintendo almost. I think a lot of people felt like well they're not going to pull this off nintendo doing a third person shooter no way and then it kind of came out and it, with its style and charm and really blew people away so i don't know if the second iteration if it's just kind of more of the same will still have that that wide range appeal and then i'm curious i think this might be i guess mario kart 8 comes out first but i think it's interesting with the idea of the switch you know the pick up and take it with you anywhere you go but then how that applies to multiplayer games where it's you can take that it that Yeah, but you better be on Wi-Fi if you want to play multiplayer. And I know it's an obvious thing, but I think you kind of just get used to taking Zelda and playing and doing what you want to do. And then you're like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I can't do the thing I want to do. But Splatoon 1 had a a pretty fun single player, you know, calling it a campaign is an overstatement, but um, progression and stuff like that. So hopefully this game this game has more of that. And I'm certainly excited for it. The test fire didn't do anything to sour my my expectation.
0: Very cool. Uh, I also have been playing another game on Switch. It's the first other game other than Zelda that I've been playing. Uh, it's a game called Has-Been Heroes. And um, this is a really cool pick-up-and-play game. It's also going to be uh, out on uh, PlayStation for Xbox One and PC. But I think it's perfect for Switch because it's a, it's a real bite-size, um, interesting experience. It, it's, uh, it almost feels like a throwback to a DS, like the old classic DS games like uh, Might and Magic Heroes or something. Um, it's a roguelike but uh, very interesting mechanics um you are uh, a bunch of heroes that used to be awesome now your has been heroes and your new task is taking these the princesses of the land uh, to back home you got to escort them home and there's going to be a bunch of monsters along the road uh you can select your path toward the uh, the boss at the end of the level uh and there's varying different paths. You can't backtrack or you'll die. <laughs> it's something the game doesn't explain to you right away. And it's like, why, why did I die? Uh, and if you die in this game, you, you literally go to heaven, you go to the afterlife. And, uh, there's like a St. Peter type fella who you can, uh, if you fill up enough souls, if you've collected enough souls from your fallen enemies, you unlock things for your next playthrough. So it's got that roguelike, you know, even in death, you're progressing forward thing. But it's brutal. Uh I mean cuz if you die you're dead. That's in that's it. That's the end of your progression. And uh the way you play is is pretty cool. You you've got these three heroes and they're each in a lane, uh a, a horizontal lane, and they're running at full speed. No 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 on that lane. The the princesses are behind them. And uh they're all all the way to the left-hand side of the screen. There are enemies that start walking toward you on the right-hand side of the screen. And your job is to defeat those enemies before they get to the left hand side of the screen, before they can get to you to attack you. So you're managing which enemy in which lane is getting closest and trying to either kill them or knock them back. That's the way, like plants versus zombies. It is like plants versus zombies, yes. Um but you you know they yeah, I guess it is like Plants vs. I didn't play a lot of that game, but it is like Plants vs.
1: And It was so good. I fell off, you know, with two or whatever. But that first one, ooh, got <laughs> yeah. some foam battery. That's a good point. I didn't really put that together, but I
0: guess that is it is like Plants vs. Zombies. I'm like, this is really fresh and interesting and new, but it it's basically that. Um, it's it's really fun, and the you you know you can swap lanes. Plants vs. Zombies do that, where you like swap characters in lanes and stuff.
1: Uh, you can unlock a thing where you can replant people.
0: Well, basically, the way this game works is it's all about managing the individual talents of each character in each lane. So you can, like, jump forward and smack a guy, which leaves a space empty where your character was on the left-hand side of the screen. And in that moment, the game pauses, and you can swap a, a character from another lane into that space that has now been vacated. So it's all about creating these combos where, like... One guy will jump forward and knock some of the stamina off a bad guy. Leaving a space open, another character from another lane, you swap into that space, and then he attacks the person that you just set up to try to knock their health down. Because you can only attack their health once their stamina bars are low. Um, so you're constantly like swapping these characters and doing these combos from lanes. And it's all about mitigating that thing, like you know, prioritizing which lane is, is in danger and all that stuff. And you also can get... You know, special attacks and elemental attacks and all kinds of crazy stuff.
1: It's like what, 19, 15 bucks, something like that? 19, yeah, 20 bucks?
0: Yeah, I really dig it, but man, the boss battles, it's all of a sudden the game goes, nope, you lose. Now you lose.
1: Uh-huh. Sorry,
0: <laughs> you lose. Uh, everything you've been doing is not effective anymore. You just lose, um, which I have not been able to beat the boss once. I've played a crap ton of this game, and uh, I have not been able to beat the boss once. Uh, and maybe I'm just bad. Maybe it's, I should try sucking less, but. It is ridiculously hard. Like, I own, own, own all the roads, all the battles up to the boss. Own. I've, like, figured out all the cool – I, like, set guys up in the right way. No, 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 no. And then you get to the boss and it's like, oh, no, this boss is just invulnerable for a period of time. You just can't do anything to him. Sorry. Now you die. Boop. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, am I just – not understanding how to play this right or is this wildly unbalanced because clearly somebody had to play test this and you had to get past the first boss uh, but I can't so maybe I'm just bad but uh, I despite that I'm still really digging it it's a fun game it's called has been heroes all right uh, let's move on now to a, a quick bit of VR talk because we've got some really cool stuff to talk about so let's jump into VR talk Christian Rock Band VR came out this week. And Mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's
1: amazing. Uh, That's that's what I've heard. I I honestly I hovered. I sent you a snarky tweet and I was like, finally a way to look even dorkier playing rock band. I hovered over the purchase thing, but it's just real money. You know, I just did my taxes and uh, I I haven't finished horizon. I haven't finished Zelda. I haven't finished mass effect, which I'm only game flying mass effect. Thank God. Um, not, you know what I mean? Um, but tell me about it. I hear it's great and it's so ambitious. They had so much faith in it. They packaged in the holder you need for your guitar with the touch controllers, right? Like that was right. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's a really clever implementation of just that functionality. Like, First of all, you're ahead of the game because you already own a plastic guitar. Um, if you don't already own a plastic guitar, that's a bummer because you have to like get a, acquire a plastic guitar. Although it supports like all the plastic guitars, so that's good. But uh, I still had my Rock Band uh, Four guitar from uh, Xbox One, which it supports right out of the box, which is cool. And yeah, it's got this this fun holder that came with the touch controllers that uh, attaches to the back of the guitar, the neck of the the whatever the end of a guitar is called the place where you you know string the strings um, the tuning end We're clearly both famous guitars it is mm-hmm. called the yep. tuny the end point the tuny end um and it, and then yeah it's got this like, like the, the one of the the touch controllers like fits right into it which lets it map and track the guitar in 3d space. And I know this is like the next big thing for VR. The Vive trackers are going to come out and they're going to be able to track all kinds of, you know, objects. This is the next big thing. And it's, you understand why as soon as you do it, because like moving your guitar around and seeing it move in your hands exactly as you expect it to is really, really cool. It's super cool. Uh, And just that functionality alone is pretty rad. But that's, when I heard Rock Band VR was going to come out, I just, I thought I knew exactly what they were going to do, which is rock band in VR. It's like, Oh yeah, no, it'll be cool to be standing there and looking at the highway as the notes come at you and turning to your right and seeing the other guitarists and turning behind you and seeing the, the drummer and looking out in the crowd and seeing crowd, like having it all be, you know, size proportional, correct. is going to be cool. And that'll be fun. It'll be, I'm looking forward to that. That's just the beginning of what they did. That is the way the game is. Yes, you can do that. You can play classic mode, but they have completely changed the way you play Rock Band. They have completely gone back to the drawing board about what it is to play a rhythm guitar game, which I did not expect for this title at all. So they completely took out the, the highway. I mean, the thing that we know and love from these games, the thing that defines Guitar Hero and Rock Band, gone. Gone. They have a a mode where you can play the classic way with all the songs in the game and still do that, but they have replaced it with a chord system that allows you to be completely improvisational and creative. And so no, the game is not Simon says anymore. I mean, the game we know and love is like, see the note, match it to your hand as fast as you can, right? Do exactly what we tell you as quickly as possible. That's not this game. This game is – there are chord structures. There are button combinations that constitute chords. So if you hold three buttons down all in a row or you hold one button and then not a button and then another button, you know, you you create these chord um, patterns, I guess, with your hand and you combine them. You change between those different chords and no matter what chord you play in the song – And no matter how fast or slow you strum that chord, it's going to sound cool in the context of that song, but it will sound different depending on how fast you strum and what chord you're playing. So they are completely allowing you to affect the song and feel like you are creatively controlling the music. You're not just succeeding or failing. Like you were either A, playing the song exactly as you hear it on the radio, or B, failing and hearing like Fling, flung, 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 you know which is why a lot of people played on no fail mode because it's not fun to hear Fling, flung,
1: flung, flung. <laughs> um, but it's fun when you say it i like hearing you say it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but with with rock band vr you change the way the song sounds but through the magic of their algorithm it always sounds good it's just different good and the the complexity with which you change chords or move up and down the neck Changes how many points you get, so you can you you are literally just like challenging yourself with how ambitious you wanna be in being creative so if you wanna shoot for that five star rating, you really gotta move your hands a lot and move up and down the neck and 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 rock it out, and yes, there are still some you know. Simon says, there are some moments where it's like, okay, if you want extra points, do this specific chord. But if you don't do that specific chord, it doesn't tell you you failed. It doesn't give you a... <laughs> it, just, it just goes, okay, we're not going to award you the bonus points right here, because we you didn't do the chord we suggested. So it completely changes these games and makes them way more fun and way more creative, and you feel like a, a rocker. Add on to that all the awesome VR stuff they do, which is, hey... You know how, uh, in, in Rock Band or in Guitar Hero, when you want to like rock out and go into over, overdrive mode, you tilt the guitar up. Well, you still do it here because we're tracking the, the guitar, but we're also tracking your head. So the way you can bonus it up and maintain your overdrive mode is start bopping your head to the beat, bang your head, man. And we recognize that you're rocking out and we're going to continue to do that, which is what I was doing anyway. So it's awesome that it like the game recognizes it and. Gives me more points, which is rad. And then dude, Christian, I'm telling you when there are solos as well, like you'll get into a solo, which those games already had where you can like play any note and it makes an awesome solo and you can just like shred and you can go to the, you know, the bottom where it has the extra buttons on the bottom of the neck and just shred. But when you do that, Christian in VR, it's like this epic light show Fireworks start shooting out of your guitar, and you know, lights, beams of light shoot out with the notes that you're hitting, and uh, the lights are shooting through the crowd. Everybody is, is, you feel like a rock god. Your guitar is literally on fire. I mean, there's flames shooting out of your guitar, There's, there's lights bouncing off the walls. You're in this psychedelic awesomeness. You feel like a rock god. It's epic. And it's like it turned the game back into this single player game again, which you know it kind of wasn't anymore because you were you know it was all about playing with your friends, which is cool. But uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. My only criticism is that uh, there isn't more. Like I I don't understand. I'm I'm in VR. I want to be able to. I can do whatever I want. Like why does the guitar just look like my regular plastic guitar? Make it make me unlock awesome virtual guitars to create incredible virtual guitars with. That would be insane. Uh, make me be able to do affect my environment in more ways. Um, but the song list is cool. The game is really, really fun. And the fact that they changed up the formula and made it more creative, it just, it, it, I, for me, revitalizes the whole genre.
1: I, I, I'm so glad Rock Band is back. I love it but it still scores you somehow right like there's still some Yeah it
0: scores you by how complex so there's these So
1: am I going are... to power pad this am I going to get a ruler or whatever and like uh NES... and Well no like...
0: there it's not that it's more like there are patterns that they've uh, they've defined so if you do like three buttons then one button then three buttons then four then you know then you know this other weird pattern it identifies that as being like it names those progressions. Hmm. So it'll be like, that one's called top heavy or that one's called, you know, bust your bones or whatever. And so it recognizes those pattern groupings. And if you pull off those pattern groupings, well, it gives you points. And so the more varied you do that. And then there's, there's other things where it's like, if you do, you know, one button and then not pressing a button and then pressing a button, you know, that, that Mm -hmm. classic, like first finger, third finger thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can play that, and then you can move it up. So you can keep playing that chord, but move it up the neck. And it, uh, and it recognizes the fact, just like you would really play guitar by moving a chord. It's the same power chord, but you're moving it up the neck. Like, it knows that now. It recognizes that you've done that, and it awards you a points for pulling off the same chord, but doing it in different positions.
2: Hmm. It's
0: awesome. I think, I think you would absolutely dig it. It's, it's really cool
1: nice yeah i'm uh i'm excited for the you know they showed it was at ces or whatever this idea of you know uh headset free vr as one thing this is transitioning into what i played because i had a a party at i went to a party at dave and busters which i have not been to in forever and it was my first time to try the star wars battle pod arcade game have you played that jeff uh, I think a long time ago, yeah. So it's like you're sitting in this thing, and it—I don't know if you checked it out, but I mean, it's like a huge screen in front of you that kind of wraps around. And the idea of it is, it you know, try to get your peripheral. And you're sitting in a chair, and you have like unique thrusters, and you're piloting an X-wing or whatever it is, whatever vehicle. It's got it like is. a bunch of mini games, right? No, it's—I mean, Are the different Star Wars one. It's like different missions. You kind of pick a mission and you fly and just do hmm. do a mission kind of thing, like a flight. Either go to the Death Star, all the famous things. Hoth. I did the new Rogue One um mission. And I had heard rave things about it. It is a couple of years old now and I had heard everybody's kind of rave about it. My older brother, when he played it probably a couple of years ago, was like, this was awesome. But that same day the same day I, I guess it on this podcast. I'll plug it when it comes out. It's still three weeks out, I think. But I had some friends over and I guessed it on their podcast and I sat them down to do the best thing you can do with VR, which is get new people into VR and um one of the one of my friends is a big star wars fan but hadn't played the battlefront star wars vr mission i was like dude yeah. you, you need to play this you need to play this and that also is a rogue one tie-in and he sat down and played it and uh it i mean his mind was blown just just blown and watching him play it reminded me of how awesome it was and how why don't i play that 20 minute mission every day because it is so incredible And then sort of see that experience and kind of relive that experience and then go sit down and play the battle pod, which I had heard so much about. But it's just you're sitting in front of a big movie screen, basically. And it kind of like looked low res and projection. I was just like, oh, I mean, this is cool, but only if you haven't played VR. So I think, you know, people have talked about before how VR is going like Dave and Busters is a perfect environment for a VR type thing. But Mm -hmm. like the shared goggles is kind of gross. And so right. that's where I think that goggleless big screen VR tech that they showed at CES or whatever is could really come into play cuz that would be amazing like the Star Wars battle pod goggleless VR experience here's my $5 bill I will run those missions over and over again Yeah uh, and I, so again it's just kind of harkening back to you don't really know what VR is like until you do it <laughs> Yeah and then yeah. when you do it it ruins so many other things unfortunately I had a
0: call in on my my uh anchor show the and newest latest best um of, from a guy in Bangkok who said they have um VR cafes that work like old karaoke bars where cuz I was like oh well that's kind of lame cuz I don't know if I want to go to a VR cafe and have somebody else's sweaty face on a VR thing that I just but he's like no it works like karaoke bars where you buy a room for an hour or 2 hours or whatever it is they have a whole Host of VR experiences loaded up, and you and your friends have a private room. They've cleaned the machines beforehand, and you just swap around among your buddies so you know
1: whose face is on it before. Uh, and I think that's really a cool kind of way in as well. They kind of have that here too the IMAX experience. It's like IMAX owned and branded. I think it's with the Vive. I haven't gone and, and done it, but it's that same kind of thing where you're buying time with the, the Vive. And I know they have the. The, the Vive Star Wars experience is one of those, also. The billboards for it in Hollywood, like I hear that it's pretty cool experience if you haven't done VR kind of thing. If you own VR, it's just kind of what you own. But the billboards do not help sell VR. I mean, they're almost Palmer Lucky cover of time. Bad. It's just like a guy with the head's like, ugh. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: But yeah, getting people to try it, that's it, it, cool
0: all right, let's wrap the show up now. Um, we will be back with quick questions next week. Uh, please keep sending those into dlcfeedback at gmail.com or on our, uh, our subreddit. We're not, we don't have time for the quick questions. They're not quick enough, quite quick enough this week. Uh, and also I want to do it when we have our, our guests still with us, but, um, we love getting those. There's a sticky thread at five by five dlc.reddit.com that you can post them and, uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting those. Uh, but Christian, um, what do you got going on this week, man?
1: Uh, my wife is going out of town for work, so i I have a lot of I have some fun adventures. My um, oh, it disappeared! I'll have two parting gifts because I had one. I was like, I thought I had something else. I'm, I have a little surprise for the kids this week when she's gone. That we're going to do. I'm going to show them something that I think they're going to love. And then I'm hoping to spend some time with uh, Horizon and Zelda and make some serious progress towards completing those. But in terms of shows and stuff like that. I think you, should, uh,
0: you, should, you should prioritize Horizon because I want to do like a spoiler discussion with you with the, for the end of that game because the end of that game is so great. And I think okay. it's time to talk about that. So we should do a bonus content where you and I chat about the end of Horizon. When you cool.
1: I did write a thing that was a semi-finalist at the Nashville uh, Film Festival. So that awesome. was cool. I Congrats. got that notification. Like over, wow. I think thirteen hundred or fifteen hundred submissions, and mine was is that uh, one of the, the top film... fifteen?
0: Congrats, man! Yeah. Is that is that the film festival that uh, every submission has to be about hot chicken?
1: <laughs> no, it's it's actually just uh, adaptations of the show Nashville.
0: Oh, even better! Yeah, even better.
1: so it's a, it's a full length, and mine is actually called um, Nashville's Friday Night Lights. So it's a lot of the same cast. <laughs> That's good. And, uh, it worked. It worked really well. It was. Uh, Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, Chicken Wings. It was my my tagline. Yeah, Yeah. but uh, so Twitch and uh, YouTube, the Marriages sketches are still there. And, you know, my album still exists on the internet. So even if I'm not getting out and doing stand up this week, you can find We're All Going to Die in my first album, Moment in Time, on iTunes, Google Music, and Amazon MP3. And then Twitter, come hang out. Oh, and Patreon.com, Christian Spicer is at least 20 more minutes. I did a Logan spoiler chat where I, kind of talked about all the things that bump me about the movie and um, I think this week's show is going to be a fun one as well what about you Jeff well you can listen to me talk
0: about video games every single day 7 days a week I do a show that only exists that day it's on the Anchor app and you can find that at slash nlb it's called newest latest best so anchor.fm slash nlb uh, people have been enjoying that show I certainly have been loving doing it it's cool it lets me talk about games and game news as it happens uh, which is really great and uh, you can also call in directly to that show so it's really really fun too uh, as I mentioned at the top uh, we have our totally rad show 10 year reunion tonight so I hope to see folks there at uh, my caffeine channel caffeine.fm
1: slash caffeine.tv oh, man. Too many dots. Caffeine.tv Caffeine. T- slash T- Jeff Cannata. That's two N's and one T. <laughs> Thanks,
0: Christian. Could you handle the rest of this for me, too? Oh,
1: man. Uh, if only you guys had done something over the past 10 years where it would be interesting to all of you catch up, but you've all just been such losers. I know, right? Nothing. So it's probably going to be well, a real we're, we're going to realize
0: is that uh, everybody involved in Totally Ratchet, literally everyone has gone on to Bigger and Better except me, who is still doing basically the same thing. Uh, but that's still fun. I enjoy it. Um, and uh, we have Concerns, uh, my comedy science show, we have Concerns.com and the Slash Filmcast, although I'm not on this week's, uh, this next week's episode, uh, but that's at SlashFilmcast.com. All right. You've waited long enough. Let's get to our parting gift.
1: Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Christian, you have uh, multiple parting gifts? Well, I can save one. I'll save one. Um, okay, save so it. It will come back and it will remain amazing. Save it. But the thing that I'm doing that I have surprised for my daughter, I need to whisper they're not. They're not here. But the Disney Channel has released, the first episode is a 55-minute movie, I believe. And then I think there's two weeks' worth now of it. But uh, Tangled, the series, is out. Oh. And, and it is hand-drawn and Mandy Moore and Zachary Le- Le- Levy, 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 Levi, Le- Levi, the Voice actors from the original film are back, and that's a really long last name he has. There, <laughs> it's very long. It's, it's my
0: name is Zachary Levy Louvi. I forget L- how to say Levy, his last name. Levy, I, forget. I
1: forget. I forget. Levi. But um, <laughs> I was a fan. I'm a fan of the movie Tangled. I like it. I think it looks great. uh It's, it's nice, but I like that this is this is hand drawn. This is not animation, uh, computer animation, because I think sometimes the TV. Disney stuff doesn't look the best, while Star Wars Rebels is, is pretty incredible. Things like Sophia the First, if you have kids and you watch that. I mean, it is, you know, they didn't put a lot of budget toward it, but this looks really great. It looks really cool. There's, um, <laughs> they, they they retcon Rapunzel in a way, in the, the first couple of minutes of, of the feature. It takes place between the end of the movie and then they did the short um, Tangled Ever After, where they get married, and this takes place between the two, and it's, it's funny how they they make rapunzel uh um, they, they, they retcon her a little bit but it's really well done and if you have kids that like that franchise or maybe you didn't notice it i think this is better than so far than whatever the lion king one is called lion's guard whatever that's called like simba's kids i think this is so far really well done and it's called tangled the series disney xd i think is the channel I don't, they're all apps <laughs> the place where you get those things so you, you might like it too
0: we have a listener submitted uh, parting gift. This comes from Mika, who says, "I just wanted to recommend a parting gift. Netflix recently brought back a season of Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. The show is comedic gold that no generation should miss. The show is comedic gold that no generation should miss out on. The movies may be old, but the jokes about them are timeless. Check out this fantastic show and give it five stars so we can let Netflix know they want more seasons.
1: Well, no, uh, they're think- doing it. it's back. They're doing more seasons." i don't know my friend uh jonah ray is yeah, the no, guy is in it yeah hampton uh, yunt is felicia, felicia day's in it too yeah right? felicia day is the bad guy hampton yunt i think is crow and i forget who is um isn't Patton oswald involved too i think he is the like the host or the but it, yeah it's coming back it's coming back and i've heard like, i have so many friends working on the show and in, in various ways i hear it's amazing
0: cool yeah. Um, so I usually use a parting gift to recommend something that isn't a video game. But this is a video game, and I think it wor- is worth mentioning. I got into playing uh, an iOS game called Card Thief this week. And it's pretty cool. It's a stealth card game where you're trying to sneak around a castle and um, get loot and then escape the castle without getting caught by the guards. But it's done all through little cards. So you're, like, you know, picking out your route as you step over these cards cards and you know go between cards uh and you spend little stealth points to see if you can you know get around the the guards and extinguish torches so they don't see you and put you in the dark uh it's really really cool i dig it it's um it's a bit of a grind because in order to unlock new levels you have to get like 20 coins or whatever but and the coins come only when you get a, a chest and some of those chests don't have any coins in them so it's a bit of a grind, but uh, it's a it's, a, it's a pretty fun game. I've been enjoying it. Card Thief. Uh, and that's on iOS. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, special thanks to Andrea Renee for hanging out with us. Uh, she's awesome. Be sure to follow her exploits. Uh, Christian Spicer, always good to hang out with you, sir. And uh, all the folks in the chat room, it's great to hang out with you as well. We appreciate you making the show better by hanging out with us and contributing in real time. We've also got
1: uh, more coming next week. <laughs> I don't know what else I was going to say there. <laughs> we do, we, uh, people on the Reddit that are like, what is it? Dude, you know, hold out. But I, we have something very, I think it's very cool that I'm excited to talk about next week and people, our next show isn't until next week where we can talk about it. But I'm very excited to talk about it because, um, you know, cool people. Cool people. Cool
0: things. Cool stuff. Uh, tune in then next week. Thank you for downloading your show. You, you guys make the show great and we appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Until then,